We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys on this beautiful autumn weekend. Come on, is somebody not loving this amazing weather? So funny, we had some friends from Seattle that um, came this weekend to kind of check things out and it just has a way of sucking you in. Like, the first thing, first thing he asked me is, is your weather always this nice? And we're like, no, just when people come to visit, just so we kind of suck you into kind of moving to Montana. Some of you are sitting there like, yep, that's what happened to me. But um, man, I'm just, I'm loving this and I'm loving this message series as I've even personally been preparing for it. Um, several weeks ago, we started this journey, I would call it more than a message series called Prosperous Soul. And really, um, when I was praying um, about all the things that are happening in our world right now and everything that we've experienced over the last couple of years going through this thing called COVID and, and the ripple effects, I would call it, that it's had emotionally on people. Now, we know the damage it's done physically, but I think maybe and perhaps one of the greatest tragedies is what it's done emotionally to us. And so... There's this um, verse in John chapter 3, verse 2, where John is speaking to one of his elders, and he starts off writing this letter to him, and he says, I pray that you are in good health and that you would prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. And he makes this amazing connection. When I read that verse, I said, that's it. The Lord reminded me, and I believe he's wanting to remind us, that if we're going to be emotionally healthy people, that our emotional health and well-being, the care of our soul, and the soul is really the seat of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Everything we think, everything that we feel, um, everything, all our desires are wrapped up within this place in us called the soul. Now, in, in Jewish culture, uh, they believed that when, when they called things the heart, and they believed the heart was at the center of everything. They meant the soul. And, and they were onto something that everything, even there's a, the verse in the Bible that says that guard your heart for everything flows, your whole life, everything in life flows out of that place in your soul. And with many people fighting depression and anxiety and, and even seeing our young people, the effects that this has had on it more than ever, I believe that if our souls are going to prosper, the Bible is very clear that our spirits need to prosper, that our soul prospers when, and it's in everything in our life, flows out of a place of spiritual well-being, that the more healthy we are spiritually, the healthy our, healthier we are in our soul, in our body, and even um, studies and research and the um, medical industry of years of doing research are now even proving the Bible to be true. That many of our health issues can be directly tied to things that are going on in our soul that many of us are not even aware of. And so I hope that this message series is more than good messages that speak to you, inspire you. I hope it does all that. But more than ever, I hope that it, it has begun a journey for you and for me of seeing our souls become healthy and prosper, even as our spirits do. And so today I want to talk to you probably about one of the most important aspects of how we, the Lord wants to bring 
health to our souls. But before I do that, I just, I want to take a minute because I love you guys so stinking much. I want to give a shout out to our church in Eureka. We love you guys, Pastor Jeremy. We believe in you. We're so excited. Heard an amazing testimony last week of how God was moving powerfully at the end of our service there and how somebody was set free and delivered. Come on, somebody. And, and I just, from something that had been plaguing them for years in their soul. And so we know that God is moving in the Tobacco Valley in Eureka, and we are so excited. We are with you and so glad that you're joining us today. And we um, also just want to welcome all of you who are joining us online. We love that even though you may be homesick or maybe you can't make it for whatever reason, that you can make it online with us. And as always, Hope City downtown, we welcome you guys. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Yeah. All right, today I want us to look at it, a passage of scripture, really, I believe, a story that couldn't depict any better the breaking that needs to happen between our old life and our new life, and how, for many of us, we don't even understand the effects that our past has on us. In fact, I think it's one of the things in Christianity that the Lord is trying to do over these last years, as even pastors have come out with their struggles, with depression and anxiety, and, and church leaders have be, become more real about the fact that we are humans. <laughs> yes, we, we are spiritual beings, but we're all human. We have this humanity side to us that is very real. And, and even though we've been born again and we have the very spirit of God living inside of us and God is changing us, he's transforming us into the people that he's called us to be and, and the plan and purpose that God has and he's making us progressively more like Jesus. The theological term for that is sanctification. It is a process. And the Bible talks about us being saved. And I think in our Western Americanized church culture, we've come up with this idea that even being saved means, yeah, I raised my hand in a church service, at the end of a church service, and I said a prayer, and, and I, I became born again. And, and my spirit was, was born. And that is a wonderful journey. But it is a journey. It's the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning of this process of us engaging and pursuing God. And as we pursue God, he works more and more of our old self out of us and more and more of our true self created to be like Christ into us. And where, where Paul talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to per, for his good and perpe, uh, perfect will. And so that scripture tells us that we have a part, and God has a part. Our part is to work and partner with the Holy Spirit and to allow God to um, work out the things in our past, our old person. The Bible calls it our old man, our flesh. And then to allow God to work into us the things that he's trying to deposit into your life and in my life. So we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, one of my personal favorite stories in the Bible, Genesis chapter 32. We're going to look at this man, I like to call him affectionately, Jacked Up Jacob. <laughs> I like this dude because in a lot of ways he reminds me of myself, and maybe you can relate, that he's got this amazing destiny and call on his life and purpose that God has for him in his life, but at the same time, he wrestles with things in his soul. He wrestles 
from the time that he was in his mother's womb, there, he was birthed in this, in this fight between soul and spirit, between the destiny that God had on his life, just like many of you are here today and many are watching online. Right now, you're in the middle of a fight, and the fight is for your soul. And some of you are tired, you're worn out, because you've been trying to fight this battle the wrong way. And we're going to see through this man named Jacob, um, who all his life wrestled with his past, wrestled with sins from his father and that were passed down, and his father, father, that were passed down to him, that even his name Jacob means trickster, it means deceiver, it means liar, it means supplanter, and even coming out of his mother's womb, he was grasping onto the heel of his brother, trying to fight to be the first to come out. Come on, any siblings like that this morning, that you're always trying to beat your brother or sister, you always want to be first. Well, there was something in Jacob that wanted to be first, that wanted the blessing of God so bad that he was willing to do anything and even sometimes in an unhealthy way. And all his life he lived like this and it got him in trouble. And I won't, we don't have time to go into the whole story. But what I can tell you about this passage of scripture to set it up is this, that he come to a place in his life where he couldn't run anymore. And all his life he'd been running from his issues in his soul. And he gets to this place where behind him is his uncle Laban coming after him because he deceived him and he tricked him. And in front of him is coming his brother Esau, who he tricked and deceived out of his blessing and even tricked and deceived his father into giving him his blessing. He tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us. In modern day terms, that would be your inheritance. But in Jewish culture, being firstborn carried a lot of weight to it. Not only did you inherit everything that got passed down the wealth of a father to a son, but you inherited the blessing of the father. And the blessing of the father was not something you inherited physically. It was something you inherited in your soul. And one time, in fact, I, I read a book about this called uh, The Blessing of the Father and how important it is and even you fathers out there that our children know and receive the blessing from us, that you're accepted, that you're loved, that you're not rejected, that we, I receive you. In fact, this is a beautiful picture in the New Testament when God talks about the adoption, that we've been adopted as sons and daughters. We don't even get that because we don't understand the culture of the day and the context of which adoption took place. But in Roman culture, even, um, even sons that were naturally born there came a time and period where a Roman had to accept their son as their own and adopt them officially. They became their son, even though um, generationally and their blood was, they're my son. They weren't really their son. They didn't have the blessing of the father. They didn't have to know in their soul. And many of us, I think there's an epidemic um, in our world right now, fatherlessness. And the lack of the blessing that goes from the father to the son. I grew up in a broken home. And even though now I have an amazing relationship and God has redeemed my relationship with my father, growing up in that broken home, it broke me. There was this wound inside my heart. And we're going to see this man, Jacob, with this deep wound of rejection that he received from his father, always favoring his son Esau, who was a hunter. He was a man's man. 
It was a hairy man. I call him a Chewbacca baby. He came out of the womb, the Bible says, and he was hairy. Like, he was like a bearskin rug baby. Like, you know, that's this guy, man's man. I'm hairy. I got hair, magnum PI, chest hair coming out. And this is this rugged hunter. He's a real Montana man. Kind of like how I felt coming out here, Yonkers boy, coming out of the city, coming to Montana. That I had to start hunting and, you know, carrying elk 20 miles out of the woods on my back that I wrestled my bare hands and killed and all this. And, and so uh, Jacob grows up in this inferior position to his brother all his life. He didn't measure up. I'll never be as good enough as my brother. I'll never be strong like him. I'll never be as manly as him. And in his father's eyes, he was never enough. So he came under his mother's wing, and his mother taught him, hey, if you're going to get anywhere in life, you got to deceive. you got to take it for yourself. Nobody's going to give you that blessing. you got to take it. And so they, they conjured way to trick his brother out of his birthright and then the blessing from his father. And so he's been running. His mother sends him to Laban, and he's on the run because his brother says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I know that sometimes your brother say, I'm going to kill you, but this is for real. He's really going to kill him. He's not just figuratively saying that. He's going to kill him. And so he runs. His mother sends him to his uncle Laban, and he meets his match there with his uncle, who is just as much of a deceiver and a trickster. And really, Laban is a picture of the world. He recognizes the blessing in the hand of God on Jacob, and he wants to benefit from the blessing and use the blessing of God without being surrendered to God. And it's really a picture of how we can try to live life in a worldly way that needs to be worked out of us. And for 20 years, um, Jacob serves him. And he finally, in the middle of the night, gets his two wives. He's got two because he got tricked out of the one he really wanted. And, and his, his uncle tricked him to deceive him. And you see this pattern happening in his family that generationally, that as a deceiver, He's acting out what his father did and his father fa father did. And which many of us in our life, we, we see patterns we don't like in ourselves. We'll get into that in a little bit later. But now Jacob finds himself caught between somebody he just tricked and his past, his brother coming to hunt him with 400 men and he thinks he's coming to kill him. And he's freaked out and he doesn't know what to do. And so he comes to this place in the middle of a desert where he finally has to surrender to God and trust God. And that's where we pick up this story. Genesis 32, verse 22, starting in verse 22. And that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. That's a river. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions and so Jacob was left alone. Do you know that when God wants to do something, a deep work in your life, he needs to get you alone. He needs to get you away from your phones. He needs to get you away from social media. He needs to get you away from your busy schedule and calendar. When God wants to do a deep work, and I believe he does, for some of you that means you're going to have to find time to get alone with God so God can do the deep work in your soul that he wants to do. And he was alone. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And some versions say, to the break of dawn. And many scholars, biblical scholars, believe this was not just a man. 
Some verses say this, an angel. Most scholars believe that this was what they call a Christophany. A Christophany was when Jesus showed up in the flesh in the Old Testament before he became flesh and took on flesh and was birthed and walked on earth. He came in angelic form. But most people believe this is Jesus coming to wrestle Jacob. And so a man wrestled with him to the break of dawn. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and wrestled with that man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? And then he blessed them there. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And the sun rose, I love this, and the sun rose above him as he passed the place where he met face to face with God, Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. God, we thank you for the life-giving presence of your word. God, we thank you that your word has the power to change us and to transform us. God, I pray for every single person here, everyone watching online, everyone in Eureka, in Hope City. Father, I pray that you open their heart, that they might receive everything that you have for them today, that we would leave this place not the same people than when we came in, but a little bit changed, a little bit more like you. Father, I give you this time. I ask for your anointing to be upon me. I cannot do this without you. I'm fully dependent upon you and your Holy Spirit to anoint me, to speak through me. I give you this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, church, would you just take a moment? Um, I've really been impressed through this whole COVID season that the church, I mean the church, not just pastors, the church needs to pray more for our country and our nation. Can we take 30 seconds and do that? That means we're praying together. It's not just me praying. It's not just you agreeing, but you're praying as I pray. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Father, we give you the great nation of the United States. Father, we pray for revival to sweep over this nation. God, we pray for a mighty move of your spirit to, to come over this nation. God, we repent on behalf of this nation for turning away from you, for pursuing other gods. And we ask that you would forgive us of our sin and heal our land and bring revival to it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. The title of my message is Breaking the Strongholds of the Past. And I am admitting it to you right now, I have way more than time would allow me to because we're gonna do communion at the end of this message. And I've really been impressed by the Lord that during this message series, I am gonna do my very best. And, and I don't always uh, measure up when I try to do my very best to try to keep these messages a little bit shorter. And even today, because of, of doing some things like praying over, over people that are outside of our normal flow of our service, um, I, am, I am really pressed for time. Like, I don't have a lot of time. But I have a lot of things that I need you to get and you need to get if your soul is going to be health, healthy. And so I just preface that because at the end of service today, I really felt impressed that we need to take communion together. And we need to be reminded of what Jesus did on the cross.
the power that he broke when he said it is finished, what that means for you and for me as it pertains to breaking strongholds of our past. I think too many of us as, as Christians, we, we've heard the, the scriptures that say, um, all things have become new. Behold, all things have passed away. We're a new creation in Christ. All those things are true. But then the reality sets in that even though we want to believe scripture and we believe that scripture is true, our feelings, which is part of our soul, don't always line up with what we believe to be true. And then what we have to do is we have to somehow reconcile the truth, allowing the truth to overpower our feelings. Just like when, when um, the angel of the Lord was wrestling and he said he couldn't overpower Jacob. Now, really? Can God not overpower us? No, the reality is, is God has the power to overpower you, but there's something important called surrender. There's something that God is trying to do inside of you and me that he'll get to a point where he will wrestle with you, that he will confront you. You know, I love that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as being a comforter. And we love that. We love that God comforts those who are broken and brokenhearted. And I love that aspect of God. But I want to, you to understand something this morning. Sometimes for the power of our past to be broken over your life and my life, God doesn't need to come to you as a comforter. God needs to come to confront you. He needs to come to confront your past, your wounds, your brokenness, your sin that has gotten passed down to you, generationally speaking. And he comes to confront you and me because for many of us, we get comfortable in our dysfunction. Our new normal, and I know that word is thrown around a lot in this whole COVID season, but one of the things that I believe that God wants to do in you and me is he wants to come and he wants to confront you because too many of us, we get comfortable in our dysfunction. We make friends with our dysfunction. And we start to lower our expectations and we start to agree, make agreements with the enemy and lies of the enemy that says, this is good as it gets. You'll never change. You'll never become any better than you are right now. You've tried in the past to overcome these things and look, it doesn't work. It didn't work out. And I think this passage shows us and gives us some key principles that if we're going to have breakthrough from our past, that we have to be willing not only to allow God to confront those things in us. And I've been praying for you. And this isn't a comfortable prayer. I know as your pastor, you want me to comfort you too. But I pray, Lord, get them. <laughs> get them, just like you're getting me. And you know, I love that he called this place Peniel. It's the place where I saw God face to face. Do you know that every one of us need encounters with God? For some of us, we don't need more teaching. Now, I know some of you, that's going to rile your feathers, and you might send me an email tomorrow. I believe we need the truth of God. The Bible says the truth of God sets us free. It actually, a better description in the original language is the truth of God makes us free. And even if, and we love that scripture, but if you go back and read the scripture before that, it's when we actually follow the commands of God within scripture that the scripture, the truth, can make us free. The truth can't make you free with the collecting dust on your night side table. The truth can't make you free if you're just listening to podcasts and you're not coming to church. And, and, and listen, church, I know we get funny about church, but church creates an environment for you to encounter God. 
I love that we get to come in and worship God because I believe and pray, and this is my prayer for you, that you wouldn't come in. I don't want Hope Church just to be known for a church where you come, and man, that was an amazing word, uh, Pastor Lance, and I hope it is. Um, worship was great. Oh, I love that song. Man, the blessing. I was vibing, getting my Jesus on. It's wonderful. I hope that you experience that. But you know what my prayer for you is that you would leave here knowing I encountered the reality of God, who he is, and who I am in him. And I'm changed. I'm different. I'm leaving this place with hope. I'm leaving this place with purpose. I'm leaving this place with a renewed identity. And my mind is refreshed and renewed. I'm leaving this place with peace in my heart and in my mind. And I am changed. Why? Because I encountered God face to face. You need to have an encounter. You need that. Too many Christians, they have a head knowledge of the reality of God. They know the scriptures but they never had it become real to them in their spirit because they haven't had that encounter. And I love this. It says in verse 32, 9, when Jacob understands he is caught between two places and he's freaked out and he prays this prayer. He says, oh God, my father Abraham, listen how he prays. He recognizes that, that this is God that was God to his father and to his father. There's a blessing, just like we prayed this morning, that comes and passed down for the generations. But there's also some negative things that get passed down from the generations. But he prays, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, he spoke to him, he knew it. He held on to a word that God gave him. He didn't waver in it, he held on to it in faith. And he said, reminds God, you know, sometimes in prayer, you just got to remind God what he says. But you know what? We're not really reminding God because he hasn't forgot at all. We're actually reminding our soul. Do you know that sometimes when you pray, just like David said, awake my soul. Well, soul, why are you so downcast? Sometimes we just need to pray prayers that actually speak and minister to our own soul and remind our soul of what God has said. That even though I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing right now, it is not my final destination. It is not a higher reality than the word of God that has been spoken over my life and the promises of God that I am holding on to. Amen? Some of you, that's a word this morning. You need to be reminded of the things that God spoke over your life, the promises. Even going back, some of you have promises uh, as an inheritance from the Lord down from your father and your grandfather. It's a wonderful thing. And he said, Lord, you said to me, listen what he says. It's important. Go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will do what? I will make you prosper. So here's an important principle. Sometimes in order to move forward in our relationship with God and in stepping more and more into the destiny of who we are in Christ, you need to go back in order to move forward. And I know some of you think, you know, I don't need to do that. I don't want to revisit. Now, let me, let me say something and speak into this for a moment. I do not think it's healthy to dwell on your past. We are not meant to stay there. But too many of us are stuck there. And that's a reality. And what I want to do is try to help you break free of the strongholds. The stronghold um, was like a tower. It was a, a sealed wall that used to be a fortify. It would fortify a city, and it would protect it. But the same walls, and this is interesting, that the Bible talks about strongholds, especially strongholds in our mind. Because what's interesting is more and more research is done on trauma, that what we find, what, what researchers have found out, is that even wounds from our past when we are younger, that we cannot handle, we are not emotionally prepared 
to handle trauma or abuse, God has created your mind and your soul with protection, built-in protection. And that protection is it will take memories or hurts or wounds and pain, and it will um, seal them away and store it in a memory or in your soul to protect you from not being able to handle the emotions of that. The problem is, at some point, you have to go into that room. You have to revisit that memory. You have to deal with that trauma. Oh boy, the keyboard player's up, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just getting warmed up up here. I hope you're warmed up, baby, because we're going for a ride. And so even what God meant to protect your soul at some point, see, because what we don't realize, just like an, an um, uh, not an avalanche, what is, iceberg, an iceberg in the water, is you see the tip of the iceberg. That's where we live. We, we have feelings, we understand them. But what we don't realize is there are roots of dysfunction in our soul. There's wounds. There's things from our past that are affecting us, and we don't even realize it. Because we've, we've put them away and, and they've been put away in this little compartment in our soul. The problem is, at some point, we need to deal with them so we can break free from them and bring healing and wholeness to them. So you see, Jacob is in this place called, um, it's actually a place in the desert called May Manahem. And what it means, do you know that everything in the Bible has meaning? I love that, that this is the place where God gives him a revelation. Actually, Jacob sees that there are angels surrounding him that are with him as he is fearful of his brother that is coming with 400 men to kill him and his past is catching up to him and he's afraid and he's anxious. And God opens his eyes so that he could see and recognize that there are angels around you and with you. And as a reminder to him that I'm with you, just like we sang, I haven't left you. I am right here beside you. I know you're afraid. But so Jacob names this place Manahem, which means two camps. Now I believe this is, this is also speaking to you and me in the place where Jacob is at this place where he recognized God is with him and God is trying to lead him. These angels are actually trying to lead him and give him confidence that if you, if you try to reconcile this with your brother and make, break off the stronghold of the past, I'm gonna be with you in it. He recognizes God is with him, but he also recognizes that there's another camp. The other camp is my past. It's who I used to be. It's who I wrestle with inside every day when I get up in the morning. And the reality that I know that God is trying to birth something new in me. I know that God has called me to be something more. I know that he, he has called me to live a life that is higher than this, to have more intimacy with my wife, my husband to have deeper relationships, but there's something broken inside of me that I want to embrace my children and be the father or mother that God has called me, but I didn't have a father and I've got a father wound. And so I don't know how to embrace my children as a father would a son because I haven't been fathered by God and I, I have an orphan spirit. Simply put, that means that, that I, I, I've had this wound of rejection and that nobody really is for me in my life. And so many of us, we, we can go between these two camps. 
where we can be stuck in our old camp. The old me and the old ways that I, patterns that I lived in this world, my habits, my wounds. And then we can recognize that God is with me and he's trying to lead me into something new, into this other camp. So the first thing that we see, and I'm gonna go through these really quickly, is this, is we need to break the stronghold of who you were. This is the essence of where it starts. You have to know in your soul, I am not who I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. We have to allow the scripture to be our truth and to walk it out in faith. So this is gonna take faith on your part. It's gonna take your faith over your feelings. Your feelings in your soul will try to tell you, no, 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 that's not who you are. And it's gonna feel awkward, especially in the beginning. But if you get up every day, and I want you to do this, write down three to five scriptures about who God says you are. Maybe there's a prophetic word that God has spoken over your life. And if you will, in the morning when you get up and in the evening before you go to bed, if you will read those scriptures over you, and then you will make a declaration, this is who I am in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. I am not that person. Jacob had to wrestle the liar out of him. And God had to confront him and say, enough is enough. You've gone between two camps long enough. And I'm here as your pastor to confront you today and speak to some of you. You've been in two camps long enough. James said it, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And it's because we go back and forth. He also says, uh, don't be a person that hears the word of God and then goes away and forgets what he looks like in a mirror. Do you know that when, when Jacob wrestled with Jesus and he saw Jesus face to face he saw a picture of who he wanted who he was becoming you've got to keep the word Jesus we know in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Jesus is the word of God so every time you read the God you're getting Jesus more in you and you are seeing the very face of God and as you read the word now the word of God is getting in you and it's like a reflection this is who you are it's like looking in a mirror when I open the word of God it's like looking in a mirror said this is who you are don't be looking at social media to find who you are. Don't be looking for your high school buddies or friends or, or popularity to tell you who you are. Don't be looking for TikTok stars. Too many of us, we're trying to become something we're not because we're not happy with who we are. But the reality is if you would just start walking in who God made you to be, there is a blessing that comes on your life and there's a prospering that happens in your soul. And you don't have to be an imitation. God made you an original. You're a masterpiece. You are better than where you, what people said you are. You're better than that thing that happened to you. You're better than what the lies that the enemy has tried to put over you and keep on you, and they can be broken off in the name of Jesus. God said your name will no longer be Jacob. Do you know that when God transforms you, he begins with changing a name. He changed the name of Peter. You're no longer Simon. I now call you Peter because you're a rock. You're the one I'm going to build my church on. What? Me? No, you got the wrong guy. I'm all over the place. Peter was a mess emotionally. <laughs> he was one minute, I'll die with you. The next minute, I don't know the man. How many of you can relate? I can relate to Peter. One minute, I'm fired up for Jesus. The next minute, I'm like, just, God, I'm like, like Job's wife. Just die. Just, <laughs> just lay down and just, just curse God and die. Like, you know, you're all over between two camps. 
And that's the reality. But he said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Do you know what, remember what Jacob means? It means deceiver. He's saying, you're no longer that person. You are who I made you to be. You are Israel. I'm giving you a new name, a new identity. You're a new person. It's a new day. Israel means prince of God. No longer you have to try to do life on your own and deceive and trick people and scheme and your own strength that leads me to my next thing that needs to get broken. How to get broken in Jacob's life has to get broken in your life if we're gonna break free of the strongholds of the past and that's this. We need to break the stronghold of self-reliance. All his life, Jacob said, nobody's for me. My dad's not for me, my brother's not for me. My mom is kind of helping me out, but she's, she's teaching me how to be a trickster. <laughs> and I had to deceive and scheme and work the system all my life. But what Jacob didn't realize is that he needed to empty himself in order to get full of God. Actually, the river, it said that he had to cross is the river Jabbok. Do you know what Jabbok means? It means emptying. He had to cross over a river where there's no turning back. Some of you need, need to make that decision today. Some of you, you've been going back and forth over the river, back, over the river, back. One camp, back, back to the other camp, back and forth. And God says today, when he crossed that river, it wasn't just crossing a river. He was crossing the river to his past. He's saying that, that part of me is done. It's over. Today, as I cross this river Jabbok, I am emptying me of myself, of my false identity, of who I used to be, of who other people said I'd be. I am emptying myself of the past and I am putting myself completely in your hands, God. I'm totally surrendered to you. And I love, think about this, God touched his hip. Now I would contend with you that Jacob had been walking with a limp for a long time on the inside, in his soul, the place where nobody could see him limping, but he was limping, let me tell you, but now God touched the socket of his hip so that not only, um, not only would he be limping in his soul and recognize that he need God, but that through the rest of his life, I love that as he left that place, the sun was rising upon him. God was on him, and yet he was walking with a limb. Don't overtake your dysfunction personally. Don't ever take, so, listen, all of us have a limb. All of us have these places in our life that we need healing from. But if we don't allow the grace of God to come on us and the Spirit of God, and you've got to empty yourself in order for the Spirit of God to come in, in order for the grace of God. Paul said like this, he said, I used to try to be strong. I used to try to hold it all together until I realized something, that when I'm weak, I'm actually at my strongest. Because when I'm weak, my weakness attracts the grace of God in my life. When I am willing to humble myself and empty myself and say, God, I can't strive anymore. I'm tired of wrestling. I'm tired of fighting. I'm, I'm here to let go. I'm here to empty. I'm empty. Some of us, you'll never know how much you need God until God is all you have. And at this point, God was all Jacob had. That's all he had left. I'm gonna to cut to this next one because I believe God wants to, to do something. Two things, really quick. God needs to break off the stronghold of generational sin. It's a stronghold. 
Now, somebody said it like this, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones. And that's kind of funny and kind of creepy at the same time. But I really think, you know, the great theologian Garth Brooks had it right when he said, blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie affair. Hey, that's pretty good for a city boy. Come on, where's my country people? But there's something truth in that, that there's roots from one generation to the next. You ever say to yourself, I'll never be like my father. I'll never be like my mom. I will never be like that. I will not do it. You ever say that? Many, I see heads shaking. I've said it because we recognize that there's something that has gotten passed down to us that we don't have control over, but we recognize it's there. And, and here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to recognize that it's there, number one, Define it. Take time this week and define it. Write it down. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is something that I've recognized in my, my father, my mother, in my grandfather that I see in myself that I know is holding me back that needs to get broken. And pray. We're going to have our prayer team up here as we get into our time, uh, which we will in a minute, uh, of taking communion together. The last thing that we need to, to break off the stronghold is this. We need to break off the stronghold of unforgiveness. You see, Jacob came to a place where all this caught up to him. He had to give his, forgive his father. He was hurt. He was wounded. He had to forgive his mother for giving him the idea that, that set into motion this whole scheme to trick his brother and now his brothers. Can, he had to leave his home and everything that he knew just to escape his brother's wrath. He had, to, he had to forgive his uncle Laban who tricked him, who deceived him. And then, and here might be the hardest part for you and me, he had to forgive himself. Because now he was faced with his brother Esau who was coming to kill him, he thought. And he knew he had to reconcile things with his brother. You know what the word reconcile means? It means to settle, to resolve. Too many of us have unsettled, unresolved wounds, hurts, offenses that we need to resolve. That you'll never be able to fully move forward. Your soul will not be at rest until you reconcile some of these things. And let me tell you, the one who is the great reconciler, Jesus Christ, that when he went to the cross, the Bible says that he broke the power and the curse, and that's important because those generational sins that have got passed down to us, they're actually a curse. And my Bible says that we're not under the curse anymore. That the power of that curse has been broken because of the power of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And so as we, oh my goodness, as we take communion together right now, this is our response time. This is where we remember that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we have been forgiven so much. Actually, Jesus at one point when, when Peter asked him, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he said, you know, Seven? Probably thought that, that's a good number, right? He says, no, Peter. 70, try 70 times seven. And then he tells them this parable, this story about a man who owed a ton of debt. 
and this judge forgave him of all his debt. But then the man immediately, as he was let out of prison, went and found this guy who owed him a little bit of money. And he said, throw him into prison. And he said, you know what? He said, Jesus said, unless you forgive, he said, you're gonna be like a man that is in prison being tortured. This is exactly what unforgiveness will do in your heart and in my heart. And we have no excuse. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could be free and forgiven. Who are we to withhold unforgiveness? Now, this is not belittling the hurt, the pain, the wounds that you've dealt with. But it's also recognizing that there's no wound, there's no pain. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that was supposed to be on us, he took on. He was cursed for us and took on the curse of sin and death. Now by receiving it, that can be broken off. The power can be broken off and you can receive the blessing of God. And so what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna come and I know the hour is getting short, we're almost done. But you're gonna come up and peel this off so you could get to the little tasty wafer. And I want you to go back to your seat and just have a moment with God. And reconcile anything that you need to be reconciled with. With Him, repent. We're gonna have our prayer team up here. Some of you come and pray with the prayer team. And then the worship team is gonna sing that blessing of the Lord over you, over you and your family, and your generation, and that God is for you and he's with you as you go out of this place today. So Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the price on the cross. We stand on that declaration that it is finished. Sin is broken off. Curses of, of generations past are broken off over our life. Right now, we take authority over every power, every, every spirit, every principality that would try to come against the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We send it to the foot of the cross right now. And we plead the blood of Jesus on it. And we said, it is done. It is finished. It is buried. I am free to step into the fullness of who God made me to be and the nature of Christ that is being formed in me. Today, God, we surrender to you fully. We empty ourselves so that we can be full of you. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.